0: Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we wanna hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you wanna give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. How many of y'all know the feeling of chaos in this world? If y'all don't talk to me, I'm going to cry up in this place. Y'all know the feeling of chaos. And the funny thing is, we don't want chaos. Some of y'all do want chaos when it comes to stirring up other people's kids and then you leave my kids back with me when you've gotten them all riled up. Y'all know what I'm talking about there too. But we really want peace and joy, and they like go together, right? And so we want to experience these things, but we misdiagnose what the problem is so often because we think, well, if I could just get this or do this or have this or this thing was right, then I'd be okay. But we fail to remember that joy is the awareness of God's goodness and grace, not this thing, this event that happened in my life. And so repeating the sound of joy is to constantly delight in and be aware of over and over God's goodness and grace and remember it over and over and over and it makes a sound, it is never quiet. Joy is a part of who I become and as a result, I move. But I want to read to you a verse today that's really going to be the title of the message and it's a verse that if you've grown up in church, y'all are so familiar with this. If you ever watched the Peanuts, let me see your hand. Growing up, you watched Snoopy. Come on. If you had ABC, antenna. Like I did growing up, right? We didn't have the satellite dish. Some of the young people are like, I don't know what is was—the satellite dish moving. Y'all just ask your parents. But if you ever had ABC and you got to watch the Snoopy Christmas show, you got to see Linus put his little thing on his hat and he became the shepherd, right? And we knew this verse, Luke chapter two, verse seven. And she gave birth, being married, to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lay him in a manger. Now this is talking about Jesus. But the line that I want you to get is because there was no, everybody say place, for him in the end. Some of y'all may have seen there was no room for him, but it best translates place, specific location, a a destination. And I find that really interesting because I feel like that this is on purpose in this verse because I'm actually going to preach to you starting in the next verse. But as I was studying, and I'm going to preach about the shepherds and all of this, I was like, man, I can't leave that verse out because I think it's the setup verse. I think this sets everything up for where we're going, and it's crazy. Because today's message is about the awareness of God's peace and my place. And these two always go together. They're like, they're a tandem. They can't be separated. If I feel out of place, I will never have peace. Can y'all agree with that? Amen. Okay. Okay. And the the reason that we feel that way is because the word place will begin to make sense with those pictures. So, everybody can just relax because for just a second I'm going to talk to you about the word place. And I want to know if anybody agrees with me up in here, up in here. When y'all are Christmas shopping, everybody that drives, I'm talking to you. And you're about to get that place that you've been working hard for. And it can be anything, but this just happens to be Christmas shopping does things to me that hashtag the devil made me do it. So, like, like, how many of y'all know what it's like that you got your signal, click, 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 and you're ready to get in the place and then the person takes your place? Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Goodness gracious, roundhouse. Like, I can't do a roundhouse, so that's got to do it. I get so mad, I just want to, I, and I literally lose my mind. And Leah looks at me like, it's a parking place it's the principle. It matters. That was my place, right? And then this is the other thing that I think about, like with place, place, placement. So people that come into my office would think that I don't have things where I want them, but that is not the case. I know where my stuff is, and I have a particular thing that's in order because that those two things go together, and There are certain people in my life, and if they watch this, then I'm rebuking you in Jesus' name, that love to come into my office, and just for fun, because it's funny, they like to turn things upside down, and they like to move things out of there. No! That's bad! I don't like it, because it it messes with me. Some of y'all got to know what I'm talking about. Like, some of y'all that aren't a little bit anal, maybe you won't understand. I got to do another one. I wasn't even planning this one. How many of y'all when you pump gas? It's got to stop on the, the, the zero. Y'all better talk to me. I just, I, listen, it's bad when it goes to 01 because I don't have enough room for another dollar. Some of y'all are like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What well, Whatever, right? You just might never understand. But I need things we are just a little bit crazy. Like I put, don't worry about it. But like, Things just are better when they're in the right place. And so listen, when it comes to myself, my person, my life, I've got these plans in my mind that I think things should be a certain way. And so as a result, when it comes to my age, in my mid, too late, 30s, tell me y'all got that, you can tell your neighbor later that he said too late. And, and, and my job and in all that we do, I feel like that I've got this idea of what things should be like today, and so I have a proper place in mind that I should be, that I should be doing, and all these things, and I've, and I've made all these things, if y'all know what I'm talking about. I've got all these things ready to go. And then when they don't happen, or then when hell comes against me, or then when I lose my job, or then when I've lost my house, or or then when... When all this stuff begins to take place in my life, and and even this week, I just want to be real with y'all today if that's cool with y'all. I'm ready to take the mask off and throw it down and spike it. Even this week, I found myself really trying to make myself good enough in my own mind and celebrate things that shouldn't even be celebrated. And it's because I want to feel in the right place. I want to belong. I, I want to matter and I, and I put so much focus on things that shouldn't matter. And then I remember this, that the God of the universe came born of a virgin and there was no place for him. Now, I'm just going to argue this for a second. If God sent Jesus, do you think maybe that the God that can speak and legion after legion after legion, which means thousands, lots of angels can go and then the drop of a hat and that there's not one thing that he speaks that he doesn't make happen and that he is bigger and better and more powerful than we can imagine. Do you think that this had to happen because there really was no place or do you think maybe he purposed this on purpose to show us something about place, right? Right? But Because we so often read this, there was no room for him in the end. Isn't that sad? Joseph and Mary were just strolling around, and Joseph was carrying his donkey, right? Let's go. And, and, And Mary was going through the thing, and they couldn't find any room. And no, this was on purpose. God set it all up. Why? Because all of us wander. The Bible says we all are like sheep and have gone astray. And so all of us wander through this life, and we're like, what is my place? God. I've been doing this thing for you. So what are you wanting to do here? God, my husband was unfaithful to me. How is that my fault? What are you trying to do here? God, I've had all these things come against me. What are you trying to do here? And we tell God what it's supposed to be rather than understand that he's the person that shows us the place. And he's the person, by the way, let me just get ahead of myself, that is the place. And then the very next verse is what I find really interesting because if, you, if you'll just take this in, that he came to break down barriers. He came to the lowest of low on purpose. He came to become the lowest of low on purpose so that we would no longer think that only a certain few, only a certain group, only a certain established thing, only this certain color or only this certain group that make a certain amount or vote a certain way or do a certain thing, only they are the ones that can get in. And he said, forget all that. I'm the only way that they can get in. And we can change all this because the place will go from this thing that's a high society thing that we can walk around and puff our chests up and say, look what I did, to lower ourselves because of what he did and say, look what he did. And it changes things. And then in the very next verse, it says in the same region, that's the same word for place. I think that's really cool. If y'all don't, just move on. In the same place there were shepherds. Everybody say shepherds. Shepherds. Out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, if you watch Snoopy like you said you did, we all thought shepherds were cool back in the day, right? And, and everybody that grew up in church, and if you didn't, just stay with me because maybe you'll understand. But everybody that grew up in church, it was cool in the kids' play when you were little to be a shepherd. Come on, talk to me. If you weren't Joseph dudes, you wanted to be a shepherd. Because you got to come in with your staff, right? Oh, yeah, I'm a shepherd. <laughs> the angels came to me. <laughs> that's right. But that's not what a shepherd is. Because the shepherds were not cool. The shepherds were outcasts. A couple years ago, I went to Israel for the first time. I've gotten to go three times now for a total of a month. And um, I love Israel so much. I Can't wait to go back because I've learned so much. And one of the things, we were doing a series the next month on the valley of the shadow of death. So I was preaching on, and that's an actual location. I was preaching on Psalm 23, and I wanted to learn about shepherds, and I was like, this is going to be the coolest thing ever. I go up to my guide, and I was like, all right, man, tell me about shepherds. What are you talking about? I was like, hey, man, this is Israel, okay? Is right stinking L. tell me about shepherds. He didn't say bro, but y'all just go with the story, okay? Bro, I don't know what you're talking about. Not for real, what? Shepherds, like Linus, okay? Luke, tell me about shepherds. He said, oh, you mean the Bedouin people. The who? The Bedouin. It's it's, it's not a job. It's a people group. And I said, are you serious? And so I, I immediately looked them up. Their common name is Bedouin. And it's not just a job, it's a people. You can look it up today, you can research it and see if I'm crazy. But this people group don't have homes. They don't have, they don't have an established place like right outside of Jerusalem or right outside of Bethlehem or right outside of whatever city you might know in Israel as their region. No, there is no region of the Bedouins. It's fascinating, y'all. You can be driving down the road and you can see these cool hills and these places that if you if you know the Bible, you would say, I know that place and I know that place. And then you'll see the side of a hill and you'll see tents. You'll see sheep or goats, and you'll see these poor people that have rags for clothes that are called Bedouin, that are the shepherds, that we celebrate at Christmas time, and we've humanized to the point that we've that we've made them this, this thing that you can buy in a store and put on our mantle but that's not what they are. They're wanderers or nomads or a person with no permanent, what's this word? Place. Permanent place. So, to have the job, because there were jobs in the Bible of shepherd, but there were also people groups. And so to get this role in a family meant that you were the runt, if you know what I mean. You were the outcast. You were the one that maybe you'll never accomplish anything. Maybe you'll never do what those people will do. So we're just going to make you a shepherd place. This verse in the Bible, I didn't put it in there, but I think this is so cool. It says, Luke chapter 9, verse 58, says that foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And in John chapter 10, he constantly refers to himself as the good shepherd, the good shepherd. That is like jumbo shrimp over in Israel. It doesn't even make sense. There's no such thing as a good shepherd. There's just Bedouin and their wanderers, and no one wants to be with them. They're the outcast. No one would come there. No one would talk to them. No one would ever want to go with them. And I'm talking about today, not just 2,000 years ago. My God literally said to me, y'all, Stay away from them cats. Do not ask them Do not ask them for a picture because if you ask to take a picture with them, they're going to want you to pay some money. When you pull your wallet out, they're going to steal from you. I promise you, that's what he told me. I was like, I got guns with me. <laughs> they don't want to steal from me. Y'all will get it later. It's all good. But then I thought to myself, how sad is that, that I want to go over there and commercialize them and they're miserable people because they don't have a place and they're embarrassed and they feel isolated and alone. And so often when I'm struggling in my own life, I forget the lives of everybody around me. And I forget that there's Bedouin all around me that are wandering without a place. I forget how difficult this life is to walk through. I forget that Christmas time is often the most difficult time. And I just have a pity party for myself. And then I forget what God called me to be and what God called me to do. Because I'm so searching for my place and my importance, let me call it what it really is, in society, that when I speak, people will listen. But as soon as I put my gift above my character and my person, and as soon as I try to celebrate that above everything else, then the reality is you think that I'm this, but I actually become this. I actually become in this world a wanderer and someone that tries to find rather than a servant that leads by example. And I do everything in my power to make you think that I'm something that I'm not. And that is every single one of us at least some points in our lives. And we've celebrated and we've been confused and clouded over what the actual meaning of this passage was in Luke chapter 2. And look what happens as we continue. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And if you were here last week, we learned that when angels come, you use the bathroom, if you know what I'm talking about. You get really scared. And that's why the angel immediately said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid right after this, because they were filled with great fear. And look, it says, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. Now, you know in this moment, They had to think, why us? Do you know that that we're not the ones that you should be going to? Do you know, angels, listen. Like I know y'all are these these massive heavenly beings that would scare me to death if I saw you, but I'm gonna tell you what it should be because I'm gonna tell God constantly in my life the way things should go. Nobody else, just me. You shouldn't be coming to us because I'm not good enough. I'm I'm a wanderer. I'm an outsider. I'm the one that no one wants to come to. It's fascinating that they came to them, that, that you'll receive good news of great joy that will be for all people. Everybody say all people. That includes every one of those people that get on my nerves and get on your nerves and every one of those people we never want to talk to and every one of those people that we're disgusted by because of the way that they live their lives. And every one of those things that are taking place that I am so sickened by that are taking place in this country and around the world, all people is who he came to because he came with no place so that we could all find a place. And when we isolate groups and groups and groups and say, I'll go after them, but I don't know about them because I don't know if I want them up in here. Then we may fill this house up, but we may be opposite of what Jesus wanted us to be. And I don't want a house that is full Doing it a different way than what he called us to do, everybody. For unto you is born today, on this day, in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You'll find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude, which means lots and lots and lots and lots of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And on earth, peace. And somehow I've messed this up. Thank you, Lord. Peace among whom. Hey, just go till you find it. With those in whom he is. Please listen. Listen, this is big. If you're a Christian in here, maybe this is for you, but I don't know. I think this is for all of us. I think at the end of the day, our goal a lot of times is, God, I hope that you're pleased with what I'm about to do. And we take verses out of context that that we think mean whatever I do, I have to do to please God. I need you to know that you can never please God by what you do. The Bible says that my good things, that my good deeds are filthy rags in the sight of God. But that he took on all the stuff so that I could be his righteousness. Who is he pleased with? He's pleased with every one of his sons and daughters. Every one that have called on the name of the Lord and have trusted him as Savior. He's pleased with me not because of what I've done but because of what I have let go. Because I've stopped trying to find my place and i found the person who is my place of freedom. I've stopped trying to make all this work on my own and be good enough and do all these things and I've said you're my Savior. You alone are my strength and my Redeemer. You God are the one that I can follow. I cannot do this thing. I will never be good. There is not enough money or time or talent that I can give away so that I will be more good than bad because my heart is full of junk so God is not pleased if you do God is not pleased if you give to our gift offering or give today he's not pleased if you worked yesterday and I'm not saying that he doesn't smile and he's not thankful when we do those things I'm saying that is not what ultimately pleases God what pleases God is when we stop searching high and low to find our place and we trust him as the person, as the Savior, and as our God. And it seems so logical, like, duh. But I'm telling you, this pastor struggles with that. Because so often I tell myself, God can't love me this week. Or maybe I don't even tell myself that. Maybe I just say, God loves me, but there's no way he can use me because I struggled with fill in the blank. Because I was nasty to fill in the blank. Because I had this junk in my life. He'll never love me. And so even though to you I put off, we're going to change the world. We got this. At my house, when I'm by myself, in my office, when I'm struggling, and my mind begins to wander, I find myself as a Bedouin in my own mind, if you know what I mean by that, as a wanderer, trying to make myself, talk myself into, and forgetting awareness of his goodness. And it's hard, y'all. It's hard to live this life so often because it's not emotion that gets me through this because there are realities that are really difficult. Some of y'all have been through things that are so difficult in this room in the last season of your life that I couldn't even comprehend it. You've lost loved ones and you've had things take place that I could not possibly imagine it if you told me I would say I'm so sorry and I would, I would not even be able to understand. Some of y'all have felt like you're wandering for months and months and you're like, God, I've told you what we're going to (laughs) do. Where's this thing going to go? And it's frustrating. Because we just wanted to please God. And I need you to know that he brings good news to you today that he is pleased with you and he's just waiting on you to trust him. And then this is the response, and I love this. Listen, remember, these are people that would not go into the towns unless they had to because they knew they were rejected. They knew people didn't want them. They knew that even though there's this group of people that I wish I could belong to, like when we were in school and we wanted to be part of the popular crowd, this, this is well beyond that because no matter what they do, they'll still be a better one. And it says that they, when the angels went away from them, they said to one another, let's go. Let's not worry about all this junk in the past. Let's not worry about all these other things. Let's just go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Let's go, let's go, let's go that has been made known to us, and and they went with haste in a hurry. They didn't make excuses of what they had to do. They went in a hurry and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying. When they saw Jesus lying in the manger and, and they worshiped him, they started telling people, and they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. I don't have in my notes verse 20. I want to tell you what verse 20 says. It says that then they went back to their region, their place. And they started telling everybody what was going on. And I bet they got rejected. I bet people said, y'all still stink, don't talk to me. I bet people people told them what they couldn't be. I bet people were, were criticizing them and ridiculing them. But when you have an encounter with Jesus, you stop worrying about so much what everybody thinks and you start worrying about who he is and that he's called you a son when you only deserve to be a slave. Because of my sin, I have a debt that I could never pay and I know what I deserve and yet I remember every day that he calls me son and that he looks at me as righteousness and and, and looks at me as a king and that makes me feel weird and I don't understand it, but I'm very thankful. But I still find myself wandering, wondering where am I going to be and what am I supposed to do? And this is, the reason I think that's the case. When we will look at ourselves honestly about who we desire to be associated with, I'm talking peoples, I'm talking talking your job, when you will understand and say out loud, this is what I want to be known for, associated with, I want my name to be tagged to this, it'll best tell you where you're trying to find your place. I want to be known as the best pastor that's ever lived. That's what my place is, not my not Jesus. If I want my name to be known above his name, then I found where I'm searching for my place, and it's your applause that's where I find my purpose. It's where I find my hope. I, I have missed the mark, if that's it. If it's to be the best at what you do, listen, all of us should have the goal to do our best. That's good. That is, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that is where we try to find our place and our purpose then we will struggle the rest of our lives because we'll look around and go, I just, I did this, whatever this is, and I still feel empty. How is that even possible? Or when that person dies that you're so clinging to and close to, and all of us have loved ones, but if one loved one in my life can be taken from me and then I give up, then that's where I was trying to find my place. And I think the irony behind all this, y'all, is First Corinthians 14, verse 33 says, God is not the God of disorder, but of peace. And so many of us desire to have this peace, this peace in our lives. Like, like we sing songs, peace, goodwill to men, and, and, and we want joy and peace and joy and peace, and yet our lives are full of clutter and disorder. And so on paper it looks like there's no possible way that I could have peace. I've said this to my wife this week. We say things like, this too shall pass. Maybe it won't. Maybe I'm just going to struggle in this area for the next season of my life. Maybe, maybe God's trying to actually, listen, maybe God's trying to actually do something in me and it's not really my circumstances that are the problem. Maybe if I would lean in and actually pay attention to what God is saying to me rather than trying to tell God what he should do. That I could get his purpose, but I've missed the man and I've tried to skip some steps. And I try to overthink the room and I and I try to tell God what it's gonna be. So this and this is every day of my life. But I like to put off that I got this peace that oftentimes I don't have because I have this idea that we should be in a certain place by this time. I should have accomplished, I'm 36 years old, I should have accomplished this much by this time. God, my friends that I went to school with have done this, and look, I'm nothing. Look what I haven't done. If anybody's never said that before, if if all of y'all just look at me and I'm the only one that said that, then I hope y'all will stay quiet. But if y'all know what I'm talking about, let me hear an amen in this place. And we're just like God. I love four points, but I feel like I can't find my place. I feel like I'm just wandering around. I feel like this life is pointless and I'm really frustrated. And I love to be full of energy, but sometimes I just feel hopeless. And it's only when I find my place that I can realize my purpose. I think we try to get that backwards sometimes. You know what I mean? If I can just know my purpose, then I can go locate my place. No, you got to find the person of Jesus or you'll always wander and have great success Some of you will have unbelievable success in this life and you'll look around and go, why do I feel empty? It's because you never found the place of freedom in the person of Jesus. And it's because we all, like sheep, have gone astray and decided what the place actually is. So listen to this. Jesus fascinates me so much because when you study him and you start tearing him down and understanding who, what he did and what he actually wanted to come and accomplish. He didn't come on a white horse to make a grand entrance so everybody could see him like I want to do so often. He didn't come with pomp and circumstance. He came with no place. And then this is what the Bible says and I love this So much in Philippians chapter 2. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And this word, listen, best translates slave. By lowering himself where no one would want to be, like a Bedouin that's a wanderer, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. Being born in the likeness of all of us, becoming a human being, that was God's son that he sent down. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, humbled himself, humbled himself. By becoming obedient, my goodness, that's a whole message in itself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I feel like I'm obedient to the point of it's my way. And then as soon as it's not what I wanted to do, I back away from God and say, hey, man, that was a really good idea, but it's somebody else. Like, you're not talking to me. But his only son was obedient to death. I've often wondered this, God, if you're God, I'm going to start wrapping up, but I want y'all to, to get this thought, and maybe it's just how my mind works, but I've often thought this, God, if you're God, why didn't you just like wave a wand? <laughs> I mean, you defeated death and sin on, on a cross, but, but why did you have to go through a torture chamber? Why couldn't you have just said, <laughs> because he could have because he's God. But he desired a people that would not have to, but would want to love him. He desired a people that would look at him and say, man, I've got all these ideas in my mind that we can accomplish, but the one idea that I can't get out of my mind is how good you are and how much you love me when I didn't deserve it and when I was gross and when I was nasty and when I was far from you and you still called me by name and you still set all this thing up. I can't get it out of my mind. And God, the only thing I can do as a response is just shout as loud as I can how good you are and I trust you and I love you. Let's do this thing. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but let's do this thing. And I think the problem with all of us, and listen, I'm not going to preach this whole thing. But I want you to understand what I think happens, and this is my I think this is one of my biggest leadership problems. I think this is one of my biggest problems in life is I get this idea of what it can be like. So I want to skip some steps to get there and just get to the finish line. But there's some steps in this thing that you can't skip. There's some steps of finding your place that you can't skip, and this is the step that I believe we skip is the purge. Because what I think we want to do, like, have y'all ever, on January 1st, skinny people, y'all be quiet right now, we don't like you, okay? <laughs> Jesus, name. have any of y'all just looked and done that, uh, that fast thing where you just drink liquid and it's like lemon, water, lemon juice, like some kind of crazy stuff together and you drink it for a certain number of days, you're supposed to lose 175 pounds in three days. You know what I'm talking about? It's crazy. Because we want to purge ourselves of what we don't like about ourselves. And so we just move on and do it. And sometimes, listen, that never works. I'm just telling you all right now. That, that one three-day, 14-day, whatever, you're going to gain it back. And I'm Oprah, so it happens in Jesus' name. But, like, like we just want, listen, I, I, just want, I just want to have peace. And so I just, I just want to skip steps. And this is one of the steps that we can't skip. Why? Because I can't clean myself. There's nothing I can do to make myself right before God. And so I feel like that's the step that we skip because we want to find our place. We want to be right and then we want to have peace. And, and this is all good. God, let's do this thing today, in Jesus' name. But I'm going to leave because I don't really want the purging part because that's messy and it's ugly and it's ugh. One of my favorite psalms in the Bible is Psalm 51 starting in verse 10. But we miss these and it says purge me. Everybody say purge. Purge me with hyssop. Now at first, that's not going to make sense. But it's where we're going to land the plane today. And I think it's going to mean something to you before we leave. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. I think it's neat that David didn't say, I'm going to do these things, God, and then I'm whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones that you have broken, rejoice. Sheep, when they'd wander away, the shepherd would break the bones of their legs, not to be mean, but to teach them that you can trust my voice and this is the place for you to find refuge. The Lord is my refuge and my strength. He's my redeemer. In him I will trust. My enemies are all around me, but the Lord is my shield. He's my salvation. He's my hope. There is no one like him. And if you'll just read the Psalms, I'm telling you right now, it'll blow your mind how much David understood this, why he was a shepherd before he was the king. And he understood what it was like to be the lowest of low like Jesus did. And he understood what it was like to fight off enemies like Jesus did. He was a picture of Jesus before Jesus came. And the good shepherd is much better than that. And when things happen in our life that we think, woe is me, We can actually count it all joy and know that he's working it for my good and his glory. That he's setting it up so that I'll remember who he is and that he's good in my life and that he's trying to bring me back because he loves me. And then it's hide your face from my sin. Don't remember my sin and blot out all my iniquities. And he says he'll do that. And then listen, this is the the famous part that we quote and we put on social media, creating me a clean heart. Oh God, a renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold within me a willing spirit. And so we love those three, the joy of your salvation and, and create in me a new heart and do all of these things. And we love that part. But we skip a really important part. And it's the purge that he has to do, that only he can accomplish, that only he has made possible. And so what is that purge? Because it seems a little bit crazy. These are the last verses that I'm going to share with you. But I think it's so cool. And some of y'all know that I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to the Bible. I love the Bible so much. And this is why. The reason I love the Bible so much is because if you just read it through like it's a history books, you'll miss these things. But when you begin to love it and understand there's so much to it, Stuff starts jumping off the page, and I literally start running in this place. <laughs> if y'all could just see me sometime, you go, we're never coming back, that dude's crazy. Because I just get so excited. And this is one of those moments that you see the purge me, so I can be whiter than snow, and you realize what the purge actually is. Hyssop was used for a lot of different things, and one of the things was a cleansing agent. And Jesus, having been nailed to a cross after he was beaten 39 times, 40 was the death penalty, with a cat of nine tails to his back. The Bible says his back was like ribbon. He was unrecognizable to even his own family. He had been Beaten in his face, his, his beard was pulled out above his head. They put king of kings and lord of lords to mock him and ridicule him. And then at the very end, when he was about to die, the Bible says to fulfill scripture, knowing that it was finished, to fulfill the scripture or the prophecy, he said, I'm thirsty or I thirst. And so there was a jar of sour wine stood there. And so they took a sponge Full of sour wine and the reason it was sour wine it was, it was wine vinegar on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth and when Jesus received the sour wine he said it is finished bowed his head and gave up his spirit he said it is finished I love history and I've told y'all before kingdom is the topic that I lean in about and I love and so I watch Roman history a lot. I study it a lot. Jesus was alive when the Roman Empire had control over Israel and Herod made, made beautiful places all around with Roman bathrooms. A Roman bathroom would consist of four to six toilets is what we would call it but it was just concrete with a hole followed by four to six, followed by four to six, followed by four to six. So imagine 24 places to sit down and do your business, right? And they wore those weird dress things. Thank God we have pants. Come on, somebody. (laughs) This is what would happen. Only certain people got to use the bathroom there. Other people, slaves and lower people, they would have to go out. But listen, if you had your place in society, you got to go in and I'm not being crude, I, I need to tell you this for the story, they, they would sit down, they would do their business and then a slave would come in and they would take a hyssop branch about this big and on the end of the hyssop branch there was a sponge and they would dip the sponge in wine vinegar and then they would clean the bottom of the rich person wine vinegar is a cleansing agent and so when they did that it would clean again, they would reuse it And they would keep doing their thing. A wealthy person would never have touched themselves. That was something they were too good for. Can I tell you the reason religion will send you straight to hell is because you think that you can be good enough to take away your junk. Because Jesus did something. Jesus did something that's just amazing. And we miss it so often because we just think that he took a little taste of a drink. But if that jar was sitting there, most theologians and I happen to believe that it was a picture of what he took for me. That if they had mocked him and ridiculed him and beaten him and and spit on him, they weren't in that moment all of a sudden being nice. And that sponge wasn't just to have a nice drink. No, what he actually did was took sin, death, and the grave on. And in that moment, before he said it is finished, I think it's fascinating that that was the last thing that he did. They shoved it in his mouth. And as a picture, he took all my shame and all my crap and all my junk and all my past and all my death and all my yuck so that I wouldn't have to. He took it. And the purge doesn't take place by me saying, well, I'll do it now so I'm a picture of him. The only thing he wants you to do now is serve first. But he took it so you wouldn't have to, so you could find your place. Here's what Jesus said. John 14, verse 3, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and bring you to me because where I am there, you're going to be also. Do you know who he's talking about in that? The people that have said, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'll follow you. My place only happens not by me doing good, not because I'm good at doing something or you're good at doing something, not because we can put on this thing where we can, we can make people believe that we're good, but because Jesus was willing to take on all my crap so that I could have freedom, because Jesus took the hyssop and made me whiter than snow. Wash me. Wash me, Jesus, and I'll be whiter than snow. I just need to know in this room, is there anybody that would like to find their place today? Because I'm not gonna get crazy emotional and throw stuff at you and try to beg you to do it. I feel like if you're desperate enough to stop wandering and stop being what you're tired of being, then you'll look to the one person that can change that, the name that's above every name, is that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the only way and that he's the truth and that he's the life and no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. And on this day, you can find your place and find your peace. And so let me just ask you this, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes with me. Is there anybody in here that would say, Pastor, I've never really made Jesus Lord of my life. I've thought about religion and I've been afraid of religion and I've tried to be good enough. I've gone to church certain times, I've done certain things. But I'm a wanderer and I don't know him. And I'm ready to call on his name to make him Lord of my life and to trust him and him alone today. I'm not ashamed. And I'm ready to declare in Jesus' name that he is the only way and that he took on sin, death, and the grave so that I could have a place with him and freedom in his name and peace in my life. I want to trust and follow Jesus today. Is there anybody in here that would say, Pastor, you're talking straight to me? I believe there's many people. Is anybody bold enough to say, Pastor, that's me? Just throw your hand up in the air and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. That's me. Thank you. Keep that hand up if you don't mind. Anybody else? That's me, Pastor. You're talking straight to me. You're talking straight to me, Pastor. I, I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to make him Lord of my life. I will follow Jesus. I will follow Jesus. You can put your hand down. In just a couple minutes, we want you we wanna talk with you and listen, if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to know God saves hearts, not hands. It's not something magical that happens. It's confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God is who he said he is and he's risen from the dead and he took on sin and death. So you don't have to go through 10 steps, you gotta go through one and that's Jesus. And he, he desperately wants you to love him back enough that he would lower himself to the point of a slave And take on death so that you could be sons and daughters of His. It's amazing. And what an honor to get to sing about His wonderful name. And so, listen, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to pray with you right now. And I want you to ask yourself this question. I'm not going to end on a high. I want to end down a little bit because I want you to ask Jesus this question. I want you to talk to God in this moment, saved and lost. I want you to talk to God and ask Him this Do I really trust you, Lord? I mean, like do I really trust you because that's the song we're about to sing and I think that's the big question do I trust him God through everything that I've been through Lord through all of the desert times in my life where I feel like I'm wandering through all the times that I try to make it work and when it doesn't work I want to throw my hands up and I wander around I forget the sponge I forget the hyssop. I forget you're the only way that I'm cleansed and you're the only place of freedom that I can actually find. You're the only hope for this world. I do not have to manipulate my way to goodness. You are good, and there's nothing good in me. And God, I trust you. And God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice online and in this room that you'll help them find their hope and their purpose and peace in the person of Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We are not worth being called sons and daughters, but you call us worthy. And so I declare in Jesus' name that you are worth all the glory and honor and you deserve so much more. And we're going to make it known that your name is great and greatly to be praised. We love you, Jesus. And we lift up your name in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 Y'all stand and sing with us.